0: Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world, looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time.
1: Welcome to Lead Time. This is Tim Allman here with my good buddy. You can say my name. Jacob Bessling. Yeah, man. We're going to have some fun today. Today we are chatting with Brian Smith, a gifted, charismatic leader of leaders right here in the Valley of the Sun. I've known Brian for four years. You really were one of the first welcoming, outside of our church body influences in my life, brother. Mm, Made this place feel like like home. And uh, it's good to have you here today. He's uh, one of the best campus ministry leaders uh, that I know. I was introduced to Brian by our own Vicar Jeff, our student pastor, Vicar Jeff Sutherland. And Jeff just raved about Brian. You got to meet this amazing church leader, Tim. And Jeff was not exaggerating at all. He's prone to exaggeration sometimes, but not with Brian. Uh, All in, he is raised. Brian has raised three amazing sons, Brian Jr., Caleb, and Noah, with his awesome wife, Wendy, who's been a little side note, a dear friend to my wife, Alexa. Mm. And uh, you are in for a treat. Welcome uh, to the show, Brian. Thanks
2: for having me, Tim. It's great to be here, Jake. Good to be with you
1: guys. Thanks for having you. It's interesting how
0: you just talked about Jeff Sutherland, and how do you know uh, Jeff Sutherland? Who doesn't know Jeff Sutherland (laughs)
2: is a better question. No, I met him on campus when he was at the University of Arizona when I was a young campus minister, and we had a lot of fun together playing basketball and meeting people and hanging out. He was a great guy.
0: Excellent. And then to be able to have Jeff know Tim for Christ Greenfield and then introduce them to you. And then I've uh, sat down with you and your team once or twice and have loved to hear the story about what your ministry is doing for college kids Mm -hmm. in a time frame where we look at college kids and we think, man, they're they're worthless or they're lazy or they're millennial or they're this. Mm -hmm. And so you guys have really embraced Um, who they are and who God wants them to be and are seeing them through that. So welcome to the show. Brian, you and your wife, Wendy, have both been involved in campus for 30 30 years. Years. That is amazing. Phenomenal. What a mystery. How long have you guys been married? We've been married 28 and a half years. Wow. Already doing ministry together and then then married. You've impacted thousands of college students' lives over the years by the gospel of Jesus Christ hitting their hearts. You started a church back in August of 2004, and your vision— uh, for the last 15 years, has been to see students connect and mature in a dynamic Christian community. You have those three sons. Amazing. Brian, wow, what a wealth of experience uh, of leadership and of ministry. And we're looking forward to learning um, today from you. Let's begin with take you taking us back to where it would have all began. Um, not your birth, but when did you first hear the gospel of Jesus and say, yes. I want in on that good news.
2: Yeah, great question. Uh, I grew up here in the Valley. Uh, My parents uh, sent us to private schools in the Valley, and uh, I uh, had the privilege of that. Uh, About seven years old, I had a profound experience with my mom. I was talking to her, and she was talking about faith, and she said this thing to me. She said, I'm not sure if I'm going to heaven when I die. Mm -hmm. And as a seven-year-old, I'm thinking, my mom is the greatest person in the world. If she doesn't know if she's going to heaven, I'm not sure— anybody's going to heaven, right? So that really stuck in my memory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm always, uh, I think back of Romans 2, 4, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And I think about that conversation as that began a process of leading me repentance. So I went to some private schools, ended up at Brophy Prep High School. And uh, the gospel was just never clear to me. Even when we went to certain churches, I had bits and pieces of it. And so that kind of transferred into my college experience when I first got to college. Uh, the first 72 hours I was there, a guy knocked on my door and invited me to a party, two guys did, to a fraternity party, which, uh, ended up leading me away from God for three years. I love uh-huh. fraternity guys, but that experience was not, uh, did not lead me to the Lord. In fact, that first 72 hours we now, uh, describe as the battle to belong, where students step on campus and they're trying to belong to something. And so these, uh, you know, different, you know, institutions on campus are very active in recruiting. In fact, college campus is a recruitment center when you think about it. But anyway, on my journey in my fraternity, I became uh, the Interfraternity Council President, Greek Man of the Year. I played water polo for my university down at University of Arizona. And one of the ironic things about water polo is you can be in a half a million gallon tank of water and be totally dehydrated, which is what was going on with me spiritually. I had water around me, Christianity around me, church, all that, but it had never gotten in me. So um, it wasn't until a campus minister came to my fraternity, started doing a Bible study with my agnostic Jewish uh, for ch- drug dealing fraternity brother, which is a crazy combination. <laughs> say say that again.
0: Drug dealer, agnostic, Ag- Jewish.
2: agnostic, Jewish, drug dealing fraternity brother. That's a movie. Yeah. or something I don't know. It is. It's a weird combination. One day he walked into the fraternity with a, uh, a Bible college. in his. <laughs> he, he walked into the fraternity with a Bible in his hand, and I thought he had it hollowed out with a gun in it or drugs or something. Ooh. I'm like, nope. what are you doing with that Bible? He goes, I'm going to a, a Bible study, and I saw Ian. His name was Ian. I saw his life changed so much over the next few months Mm. that I first was curious, then I was convicted, then I became convinced that I either had to stop being his friend or I had to go to this Bible study. And when I started going to that, I became convicted of where I was at with God, understood the gospel and gave my life to Jesus in February of 1986.
1: Dude, Dude. beautiful story. Legit story. Awesome. Um, Thank you for sharing it so passionately. I know you do. Our story shaped culture. It shaped Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And I know you've shared that in a a lot of different contexts and beautiful ways. And I pray that you, listener, can share your gospel story of Jesus pursuing your heart over and over again through the ups and downs of life and leading you to this point where you can say Jesus is Lord. Nothing else but but Jesus. Mm -hmm. All right. We know that college-age ministry isn't for everyone, and college-age young adults, they're a group that right now in America, in our churches, often neglected. And it's not a simple—this is a complex conversation today. So how did you move from being saved by God to then sensing that He had this call in your life for an extended period of time? I'm curious about the kind of journey. Like, this is not just a five, maybe ten-year stop. This is going to be my life's call to work with young adults, pointing them to Jesus.
2: Well, it's definitely a process, but I remember— When I was a junior in college, uh, I, I was thinking about broadcast journalism or politics as a career. So I ran for student body president at U of A, and um, I was hmm. pretty confident with my circle of friends that I was going to do pretty well. But uh, ironically, I lost pretty badly. And in when I lost, the night I lost the student body president election, I really felt like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, I have something better for you. Hmm. I didn't exactly know what that was, but I've been involved in the Greek system. I've been involved in athletics and lived in a residence hall, which are the big three areas of any campus. So I felt like that might have to do with campus ministry. And uh, I heard some national leaders say things like, if you change the campus, you change the world. So this began to captivate my heart. But I would say the main thing that motivated me was that I remembered my first three days on campus and how, how, when I stepped on campus, how much. Which I needed to connect with someone and wanted to belong, and that has really kept me in this fight for 30 years. Because I just think of the next 12,000 freshmen coming to ASU next fall, stepping on campus, and this battle to belong. And so uh, that's probably the most, uh, you know, compelling thing that has motivated me. Uh, one question has always haunted me, guys, and that is why. Why are secular organizations like fraternities and sororities and other recruitment mm-hmm. vehicles better at evangelism than the Church of God? That yeah. really bothers me.
1: Yeah, hands down. And say more about that. In, in this culture right now and coming into, say, a, a church community— you could we got a lot of church leaders that are yeah. listening. You could sense people are coming onto your campus with this profound desire to be known, to belong to something bigger than themselves, you mm-hmm. know. And and we sometimes feel we get into our little cliques, our little clubs. And a lot of times people are drawn into, as you so profoundly said, these kind of secular mm-hmm. clubs where they find what we would say is shallow you know short term meaning and belonging but jesus offers eternal belonging so say more about how we could maybe take what you do at the campus level and and bring it to the local church
2: well i, I think it's every culture has uh, well, every area, every people group have a culture. And, the, and we yeah. just define culture as this is how we do. We do this, is how we do relationships. Yeah. This is how we do. This
1: is how we do. <laughs> yeah. this, this is how we do. This is how we do.
2: This is how we do parties. This is yeah. how we do weekends, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, we feel like you have to, you have to create a culture first. You know, someone famous recently said that culture uh, eats strategy for breakfast every day. So uh, our heart is we want to create a culture where Students are moving in a direction towards God that's compelling and interesting. And I, I can speak more about that in a that's, few minutes. That's but, fantastic.
0: Yeah. So take us back, though, to what are the what were the different roles that you, you played as you built, built ministry that then led toward uh, doing ministry at ASU? So
2: uh, help me with that question a little you, bit more. You were doing Jake. stuff
0: at University of Arizona then? Yes. And yes. how long
2: was that? You know, I was there for 17 years. 17 years. Yeah. yeah. I, yep. And then we got sent up here to plant the church at
0: uh, ASU in 2004. So talk, talk about that transition then of yeah. the University of Arizona yeah. and then saying, I mean, wow, it's actually, what, uh, 80-something, 90 miles away to uh-huh. go to ASU. So how did that yeah. transition? Well, the cool thing is I'm from
2: Phoenix, so okay. it wasn't like I was coming oh. back home in a lot of ways. But, uh, but you were an alumni of U of A. Yeah, and that's uh. a big deal because uh, the mascots hate each other. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, you know, how ironic a lot of my fraternity brothers, who I love dearly, still to this day, we talk and whatnot. They joke about how I could be a traitor <laughs> Trader. Be at ASU. And my son was actually Sparky, the, the uh, mascot at ASU, for three years. Brian Jr. was. What? Yeah.
1: I didn't That's know that. Awesome. Yeah, he was. Yeah. All the push-ups after yeah. we scored touchdowns and stuff? You know, we never That's know. Fantastic. There's
2: a team of guys that do it, and we never know when he's in the outfit or not. Okay. But uh, he did He wore the. Out. He wears the outfit. He out. couldn't tell us for a while, and we couldn't tell anybody till oh. he finished. I mean, that's hot. Yeah, isn't that cool? I actually was Wilbur the Wildcat for a day down at Tucson. So we have that in common also.
0: Okay, so all of that transition then led you to plant a new church? Yes. And tell us about that plant. Uh, Now it's called Hope Church, and it's one uh, church in three locations. Yes. And some of your taglines you can find online if you visit them is uh, college, faith, and leadership. Mm. Love that. What does that look like for you as you live that out as a church in three locations? Tell us. Explain and tell sure. us about your church.
2: You bet. <clears throat>
0: At Hope... Uh
2: I hope we, we tell students that a disciple is someone who's learning how to love Jesus, love others, and live on mission by hearing and obeying God. I, For so many years, didn't really have a definition for a disciple, what a disciple is, but we try yeah. to stress that. So st- students need a, they need a place to, to, to learn how to be a disciple and own their faith. You know, a lot of them are individual. I think every student individuates what they believe when they come to college, no matter what their background. Even my sons had to say, hey, am I going to really own my faith? as a college student regardless of what my parents taught me so wh- when it comes to owning uh, their faith we have connect groups and uh, in a typical week we have about a hundred of those uh, groups and this is where they learn how to own their faith and kind of process you, say,
0: you said ten a hundred a hundred yeah a hundred groups that's amazing uh when it comes to
2: developing their leadership, again, of course, college faith leadership—that those are our taglines. We we believe college students are called to lead in the local church, which is a little bit different than some churches view. You know, the kind of more of the college is sort of that that in between time where you're not really, you know, you just hang in there and make it to the. End. We actually believe they're they're really
0: in, can have impact. And you're not a ministry you're a church. We're actually a collegiate focused missional church. Yeah, so it's not oh, I'm I'm on this this ministry thing and it's all college kids hanging out. You're saying lead at the local church, and we are the local church. So when they come to you, or and you find them within that 72 hours, you are inviting them not to a ministry, but a church yes. where they can do life and find that community.
2: Yeah, and one distinction. distinction yeah. one distinction. We we go to them. We go to them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> they rarely find
2: us. Yeah. I I just college students don't wake up going. I think I'm going to go find a yeah. church. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Talk about that 72 hour experience. That is brilliant terminology, and it comes from your story. Um, but I've also heard of your big parties that you've thrown before, mm-hmm. as you said, like paint a picture of that. Because you might be a college minister out there, or you uh, know someone locally that's struggling to do college ministry. Learn from uh, Brian and his team of what they've done.
2: Well, it's just, this is just what we've experienced. There's yeah. so many great collegiate-focused churches around the country. I've been getting to know a lot of them at a national level. There's some great stuff mm-hmm. going on. But we just, my experience over 30 years has been that first, that first weekend is so... Opportunistic or problematic, like either we can connect with them and give them an alternative or they 'll connect with somebody i mean they're they 're going to be discipled by somebody <laughs> okay. it 's just a matter yeah. of who, so we try to provide relational connection and impact events that captivate their their minds and hearts. so we spend thousands of man hours at first couple of weeks we met five thousand students the first two weeks of school last year we 've met sixteen thousand so far this academic year we spend about a thousand hours a week meeting new students, about 500 new students a week, just to connect with them. I
1: mean, what you're saying is astronomical. One, that you even have that data, data. on yeah. how many hours have been spent. Going back, you have a leadership team of 250 people here, Brian, who are all learning. And I love the alliteration on your learning how to love Jesus, love others, and then live, love, love, and then live on mission in the name mm-hmm. of Jesus. Is so, so powerful. But your are Two hundred and fifty. You call them on staff, and many they're like missionaries that you have you have uh, trained. Discover. We talk about the three Ds of discipleship: discover, develop, deploy. Discover, develop, deploy, Mm. and that's how you're getting those thousands. You are leveraging multiplication in in powerful ways. So, same a little bit more about your leadership team. Well, our our leadership
2: team. Maybe there's a little distinction I should make that we have seventy. Full time staff and interns. Wow. Hmm. But then the 250 are students and graduates who have said, I'm going to use my time, talent, treasure to go back, to give back, to reach the next generation. Someone reached me. Who can I reach? And so we just have a culture of we're living for the next generation. So they just kind of feel, and look, not everybody's called to our church. In fact, we're a little bit on the edge of crazy Uh (laughs) because we're so passionate about reaching the next generation. So we love all the churches in Tempe and all the people that are reaching the campus, but we are those
1: that really feel called to our church, understand that we are going after the harvest. And a number of those those leaders are not just college students or even recent grads. you got some mixed generations in there mm-hmm. kind of working to engage. Say a little bit about that. We
2: do. Our average age is 23 at our church, and yeah. 95% of our church is under 25. So, But we do have uh, about 100, 150 young professionals that have graduated. They've got their first job. They're like, hey, I'm starting to have impact, but I, I want to be a part of not only this church and the three locations, but we are now beginning to have a vision to plant churches in other cities, collegiate. It's centers beautiful. around the country and they're saying to me recently I want to
0: be part of that team sent out yeah. so it's exciting now give me here I've heard a lot of uh, scarcity mindset yeah. in a lot of churches mm-hmm. man if we only had this person if we could go and hire this person from Iowa that's that's just killing it we would be fine it's like they're going to come down out of the heavens yeah Person, you know. But I don't have the money, so I can't figure it out. What percentage, I, it's got to be high, of the 250 people or those that are on staff yeah. have been hired within from the church? Uh,
2: Well, within our 70, 70, 70, 70 staff, staff
0: and interns, uh, all of them. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah, listener, listen to that, that everything you need is right there in your church. You just got to give them a good pipeline uh, to, to lead them from, hey, I'm not sure what I want to do, to then even uh, discipling them all the way up
1: to actually replace you at some point, right? <laughs> that's the hope. That's the hope. <laughs> yeah. I'm 54. Come on, man. I am getting missionally geeked out just listening to you talk right now, brother. So we love tips. You know, you do podcasts, it's five this, you know, six this. You don't necessarily have to go that direction, but we... We want to get under the hood a little bit. What is the secret sauce to doing an effective secret college sauce. ministry that actually attracts 18 to 22-year-olds? You've talked a little bit about it, but let's get even more granular here uh, during this crucial time in their life and helping them mature as they follow Jesus. The se- secret sauce is Chick-fil-A sauce. Ooh, oh, no. Um, actually.
2: 150 grams. <laughs> 150 calories, not grams. Grams? Yeah, that would be a lot. Just in one pack.
1: 150 calories no in way. one packet. In one packet,
2: dude. But you've got seven percent body fat. What are you Shush worried about? No. Anyway, um, first we got to understand the problem on campus. There's three challenges that I've identified. That oh challenge number one: stigma trumps dogma uh, on college campuses. Mm-hmm. Stigma, Trump's dogma, meaning Christians are, are are not fun. The the stigma that Christians are not fun, and they're not relevant. They're just really not. You know, that's kind of the the the, the, the stigma. Fair picture. And yeah. and and I think that's part of why seventy percent of the freshmen walk away from their faith. This 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 idea that did you just make that number up? No, that's well known across the across wow, the country. Seventy percent of Yeah. Freshmen who have had a faith in the past walk away from their faith. So I think the solution is that the church needs events that captivate the hearts of students and minds of students. And so we've worked hard at comedy shows, fashion shows, and our kind of our Premier thing is what we call Survivor Weekend, mm-hmm. where students come to campus. They want to belong to something, so based on where they live, we get them into tribes. We recruit them. They have face paint, they have flags, they have chants, and they compete in something we call Survivor Weekend. It's kind of a combination of Tough Mudder, Spartan Race, and 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 Survivor, and it's over Labor Day weekend. They have they make friends fast. They have fun with no regrets, and they come back. They go, man, that was some of the best time I've had. It's not there's not a a bait and switch where we have a uh, an altar call up there. We I tell them I'm a pastor. Please visit our church. But I just talked to them about respect up there and how to survive college. You kind of had wow. a respect movement on campus. We have assume, done right? that. Yeah. yeah. It's not as active right now, but this is our respect initiative that we would do. So you're
0: hitting the felt need, too, yes. of uh, I want community or I at least need community and I'm going to join something. And then what you really need is respect throughout college yeah. and then a, a soft introduction to who we are. And even if they never come back, you've still been a part of their life and had a a little touch with them. That's good. Neat thing also, Jay, because we have about 60% men that
2: attend this event, which some of my campus ministry friends across the country are trying to find ways to get guys out of the dorms, off the video games, and into some sort of adventure weekend. And so I'm trying to train some of these guys nationwide to do their own survival It's an adventure
0: to live, survive.
2: I think the challenge number two Hmm. is that there's a biblically illiterate generation on college campuses. You know, we've we've interviewed 120,000 ASU students. Over the last fifteen years. Seventy-nine percent of the students claim to believe in God, but 93 don't have a ninety-three percent don't have a biblical understanding of how to have a relationship with him. Huge. Yeah. Like a, this
0: is Barner right here. Look at this.
2: So we need to clarify the gospel. Wow. That's our solution. And so we train and equip students to tell their gospel story. You'd be surprised how many students don't know their story. Yeah. They just don't know what happened when I was a kid, where did I come to faith? What does that really mean? What did Jesus do? And how does that affect how I live? So we want to equip them to reach their peers. So we teach them how to have this thing we call gospel appointments, where they can actually hear their, the other person's story, tell their story, tell God's story, the bigger narrative of, of Jesus' redemption. And uh, and so just mobilizing them and equipping them, they get so confident because they can, at the drop of a hat in three minutes or so, tell their story. So that's a, a big solution to this illiterate issue. Can we please
0: have that curriculum? Thank you.
2: Yeah, you bet. We actually <laughs> have it. A, a friend of ours developed it and we've, we've refined it. Uh, so challenge number three, I think, is there's a culture, culture of millennial Christians that have have some problem with uh, reaching out to their friends. 90, this is a bar research. Ninety-four percent of millennial Christians think the best thing that could ever happen to someone is for them to come to know Jesus. But 47 percent of those that's millennial new, yeah. Christians <laughs> think it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith and hope that they will one day share the same faith. Huh? So we have yeah. a problem. What? Yeah. We have a problem.
1: This is a big gap. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. <laughs> but I'm not really going to talk about it.
0: <laughs> don't You're going to. Yeah. It's
1: I just the, saw an article oh recently
0: gosh. and posted it about how someone's like, oh, they might not actually believe in hell. You know, if yeah. you don't really. I believe yeah. in God. Yeah, but exactly. I'm really actually kind of a universalist. <laughs> That, yes. that all will be fine. So I don't need to share that with my Jewish friend or, you know, like the Jewish friend you had that, mm-hmm. that converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So kind of, yeah, it really goes back to the biblical illiteracy that's on campus. So those are the problems. Kind of say some of the things about the solution. So
2: the solution we here, we would say to this illiteracy is that we need to revive evangelism on college campuses. Mm-hmm. You know, guys know yes. this, missiologists say that the best missionaries are indigenous. Absolutely. So we say when it comes to the campus, the best people to reach college students oh, is college students. So our ministries, I think think should be designed to equip and empower college students to reach their peers. So my lifelong research, and this should encourage you guys and everybody that's listening, is that 35 to 40 percent of the students that we talk to about their beliefs say, and that's over 120,000 students just at ASU, it's thousands of others on other campuses, 35 to 40% are receptive to learning more about the gospel. So the fish are still biting. We just got to get out there and fish. And so when we share with them, they actually say, you know, no one's ever really sat down and told me the story. I would like to come to church or check that out. So that's where we are very encouraged that the harvest is plentiful. I mean, it's almost
1: one out of every 2.5 will go, yeah, I would like to hear about that. I mean, we've talked about kind of church history a lot. And kind of the cycle that we're on, you've got about seven, I'll summarize real quick, seventeen hundred years of Christendom, where the Christian story held kind of the center sway, especially in the West, the global West. Uh, and now we've walked through following kind of Europe, uh, a post-Christian context, but we're approaching, especially with our Gen Z uh, college campus students, we're approaching a, a whole generation. And we're going to see this continue to accelerate who we have to view as leaders in the church as pre-Christians. Yeah, they're on the way to Jesus. This isn't post they're pre pre-Christians. Say, say something to that, is that fair? you if, if thirty five to forty percent are open, yeah. they're just pre-Christians yeah, and and I mean we
2: we are we are in a time where it, I know it's ironic to say this, but we will talk to students that don't know Jesus and mm-hmm. what he did. Yeah. They don't even know that, huh. so it's almost like first century stuff. Now, some people take that and say, well, their hearts are wicked and they're, no, 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 they just don't know. Mm. So I don't think the human heart has changed. I think the, you know, social media and different distractions have have made life more complex. But if you love somebody, you tell them the truth, they're getting converted at the same rate we've seen for 30 years on college campuses at least.
0: So I'm hearing you say the secret sauce is to really flip the paradigm of not people coming to you, you going to them and who's actually going. It's not actually the trained um pastor at the top or even your leadership team it's them pouring into student leaders that students wouldn't uh, reach students and so you're doing a lot of work on campus you have 500 um we connect with 500 new people you say uh currently and some kind of relationship with 1700 students mm-hmm. that you follow up with regularly tell mm-hmm. us about the outreach are uh, your staff and students serve about a thousand hours in campus outreach what do you what does that outreach kind of look like a lot of conversations Yeah,
2: a lot of conversations, just learning how to be someone's friend. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, everybody's open. Here's my motto. Everybody's open uh, someday and somebody's open today. Mm -hmm. So we we just stay in touch with a lot of people. And they hit crisis in college frequently. Mm -hmm. So when they hit crisis, who are they going to call? Are they going to or who are they going to reach out to? Or are we there reaching out to them? Uh, We know that it took a crisis in my life for me to be open to the gospel. I think that's, you know, God allows those things so that we are open. But.
0: We we had uh, talked about this a little bit, but if you have an answer, I'd love to hear this. Our core value, one of our ten core values here's here at Christ Greenfield is people focused, data informed. People hmm. focused, hmm. data informed. And this talk today is data informed. All of your newsletters that we receive yeah. are data informed, and it tells great stories to back up that data. How like if a college, kid, how do you collect that data? I mean, how hmm. does someone do that? Um, if they're a college ministry or even a church, how are these students yeah, telling us? We
2: have some amazing uh, analytical guys on our staff that have put Google Docs together that they, one of them they call the mega doc the
0: mega doc the Meg. <laughs> The meg
2: And I have no idea. I mean, we have probably 20 or 30. Don't just don't get on it. Yeah, we have probably about 20 or 30 categories each week, week that our staff, you know, keeps track of. And that's good for them. It's like a speedometer, we call it. We're like, hey, this isn't this doesn't merit your, you know, relationship with Jesus or how you're doing as a minister. It's to show you how fast you're going, how slow you're going, where you can pick up the pace, where you need help. So it's how many people have you met? How many people you've talked to da out of those kind and of. And you things. give that data to each one of your
1: team members. Yeah. Especially the 70.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They know, they know That's where they're fair. at. They see, they see mm, their progress and good. it's good because they get really encouraged. They can see growth over time.
1: We'd love to step
0: into a stop oh, eating man. and just observe you. Yeah. One. That would that would fantastic. We'll bring food. So you, Chick-fil-A <laughs> you, Tim sauce. Tim will pay. Oh yeah.
1: I'll mm, definitely. 150 Chick-fil-A. calories. It's going to be great. So you build, you are a disciple missional multiplier. You're a disciple maker, and then you're encouraging them to disciple others. So how have you built that sort of culture and, and building a really solid team that is investing in in others in such a passionate way? Talk about your team, how you're developing them.
2: Great. Um, you know, we, we stress this this phrase that we're a family on mission. Mm. And I think family without with no mission is kind of a hippie commune, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, a mission with no family is a bunch of robots. So a family on mission, we, we believe, is unstoppable, and that's yep. what the church should be. So that's one thing that we stress. Second, we work hard at living out our core values. Our core values are authenticity, others-focused, fun-loving, purpose-driven, and multipliers. Love it. And uh, I can get into any of those if you want me to. But those are our, our core values, and we really stress an authentic culture and others-focused. So um, focusing on being a family on mission and living out our core values helps really our team. So good.
0: Going down a little bit, fast Fast forward to 10 years from now, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, what do you think college ministry might look like? I mean, what's going to stay the same forever and what 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 do you guys, uh, your team anticipate might change?
2: Well, you know, it's funny you should ask that because uh, I was at a collegiate church planning collaborative where the 40... I think of the the best collegiate church planners in the country were in Oakland, California. And the keynote speaker got up from a church called Resonate in Washington State, Pullman. He got up and he said this. He said, in the next two, 10 years, students are going to be looking for experiences to draw them out of the residence halls, out of their dorms. Huh. He said, with social media and video addiction, all this kind of stuff, they're just isolated. So they need campus ministries and collegiate churches mm-hmm. that draw, draw them out. Them out of their dorms. And uh, so I think uh, college students... Uh, need to be mobilized to reach uh, and and equipped to to reach their peers and and we need events like Survivor Weekend to draw them out. We need uh, we need peers that'll go after them and find them. You know we we pull up we pull up we, we, we drive sixty five cars onto campus every Sunday morning to pick up students for church wow. outside their dorms. Dude. So to mobilize and those are students driving friends mm-hmm. and graduates. It's hey I'm a US, ASU alumni. I wanted to pick you up and bring you to church. Hope so. church Uber. <laughs> <Right there. laughs> yeah. No, seriously. The cool thing is while we need, compelling things and, and mobilize students to reach these these students that are kind of stuck. That that needs to change in our approach. But what won't change is the receptivity. The 79% uh, that of people that believe in God, the 93% that don't have a biblical understanding of the gospel, and the 40% that are interested has not changed in 30 years. Yeah. It has been consistent, and not just in Arizona. We've been all across the country doing spring break outreaches and uh, that should be, that should be encouraging. Receptivity, I don't believe, is changing. Contrary yeah. to some books I've read and some things. Doom and gloom, man. Everything yeah. spiral downhill. Yeah. It has, I've been, I've spoken in different seminaries and I say, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to blow up some paradigms if you don't mind, but I'm going to come in there and tell them, look, I've been a fisher of men for 30 years, uh, literally practitioner on the campus. And so you can do your research mm-hmm. with another third party organization. You can get out there and fish with me. They're,
1: and they're that's, so that's creating an abundance mindset. Mindset, not a scarcity mindset yep. as we move forward so let's talk funding uh funding ministry can be brutal even campus ministry man wild so what are three ways that you've found that has helped your ministry be self-sufficient as a successful church but also ministering to college students who you remember how much money you had in college <laughs> <laughs> nothing zero yeah mommy debt. daddy help. Yeah, help me mom dad so uh, yeah talk about funding a little bit hey pastor help me yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes i'll go to eat with you exactly you know food's a big
2: one um so we reach a, a group of people that that don't have income, and we tell students every Sunday, "Don't give your scholarship money or your parents' money." In fact, I think one point five percent of our annual budget is from students, or something like that. But hmm. but we have you said, say that it's like one like ours. yeah one point five <laughs> okay yeah, yeah about to say. and uh, so we are so blessed as a church because we are. We consider ourselves missionaries to the college campus. Mm-hmm. So the body of Christ has scholarshiped all of us, myself included. I still raise support to this day. We have 70 staff and interns, again, as I've said, and we develop personal financial partnership teams. And that enables donors to our ministry. There's a couple thousand donors monthly that give for us to be able to to uh, do what we do. And so that's, that's our main way. We do some other annual events, but that's our main way.
1: Powerful. Three closing questions heading down the home stretch here. What young leader are you currently or young leaders are you currently apprenticing? How's it going? I mean we've heard They're
0: all young. They're
1: all young. <laughs> You're young. <laughs> we ask about young leaders. So uh you got seventy, but anybody in particular you wanna kinda highlight?
2: Well, there, I've got a just a bunch of young married <laughs> couples and current and future campus directors that I meet with regularly. We spend a lot of time on my back patio. I will say that one of my young leaders that I'm most excited about is a guy named Abraham Doe, mm. who is uh, a great communicator. He does spoken word. He's uh, he's in, my assistant at times. And, and just uh, he even leads uh, Bible discussions and connect groups on campus. He and his wife are really gifted, he and Alicia. And so I just am really excited about the future
1: for Abraham and pouring into him. I I love this point of lead like you're leaving. You want to lead like you're leaving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you just have to have a team around you. Because yeah. we all have a shelf life, is that right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh we, we tell our staff, start replacing yourself now. Uh we really believe in in uh in, that God wants us to to send out teams, one team uh a new church every year for the next ten years. So we are really saying, Hey, how do we multiply you shouldn't do anything alone, multiply what you're doing with somebody else and live like you're leaving.
0: If you were to stop it all today, who would be who's your apprentice who would take over? What's that? You yeah, get smoked, if you to, if you smoked to, by yeah. a
1: bus.
2: If I got smoked by a bus, <laughs> uh, I would ask one of you guys. No, um, I uh, <laughs> Ten, you know, you got here's it. the here's the crazy thing. We have a bunch of people that could. Wow. But, but my executive pastor Ricky Ruta Flores is, is the most Beautiful. Uh, uh, ready to uh, take the
0: helm. I think, leader. If you don't have an apprentice, uh, d- look around and pray about it. There's someone in your midst that you could apprentice. What books are you currently reading, brother? You know,
2: currently I'm reading a book called Gaining by Losing. Have you heard of that book by J.D. Greer? Powerful. Golly, love that book. Just it's about church planting and John 12, you know, unless a grain of wheat goes in the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. So how dying produces fruit and losing produces gain. And uh, even though it might hurt to send teams out. Uh, that's, you know, it's not about just, uh, how many seats are filled. It's how many people are sent in the, in the long run. So that's, that's my heart. And, uh, that book has been really, uh, helpful lately. Uh, Also rethinking sexuality by Julie Slattery. This is, I mean, Mm -hmm. if you don't talk about sex as a collegiate church, Mm -hmm. you should stop doing what you're doing because it's, it is the battlefield. And this is, I think a book that everybody should have on
1: their, on their bookshelf. It's been really good. Read it. Be in our show notes, friends. Uh, Wow. What is your last question? What's your primary closing word of advice for young leaders? You
2: know, I say this all the time. Uh, Tim Elmore, who who does Growing Leaders in Atlanta, it's a tremendous resource, by the way. We've been trained in the Growing Leaders. Uh, uh, we, we're certified to teach the habitudes and whatnot, my wife and I. But he says that this generation is not racially discriminatory, but what they are is age discriminatory, which means they would prefer to hang out with their peers Mm -hmm. and they don't really value people of the older generation or the younger generation. So my motto to everybody is you need to be tethered up with someone who's pouring into you and you need to be tethered to the harvest where you're pouring into somebody. And if you're not, then you're not going to be healthy. Wow.
1: You've said so many things today that I agree on, and we could have just gone on. Oh, this could have been a two, three-hour conversation, man, because mm. there's so much alignment. A lot of the values you just shared with our community here, uh, you're speaking our language, and you're not speaking our language. You're speaking God's language. Praise it's God. the heart of Jesus yeah. who came to seek and save the lost.
0: Mm. Brian, you are a stud, and uh, you have... <laughs> could you tell my wife that? <laughs> Wendy, <laughs> Okay. listen, he is a stud, but you're... Behind every great man is a better one that's, right, that's right and so bless you guys and Thank your three you. three children and uh, all that you do, and so thankful that you would uh, be on our show to share this with uh, the people that are listening mm-hmm. and uh, listener, there might be someone out there that's, that's struggling with campus ministry, uh, just struggling with ministry or their leadership role. There's a lot here. Listen to it again and
1: share it with them as well. So yeah. thank you, Brian, for being yeah. on lead sharing time. You're is you're sharing is caring. Uh, the next two times uh, you come to lead time, we're going to be doing a two part series on pause and reflection, Sabbath and silence. You won't want to miss it. Share it with a friend, go with the peace and joy of Jesus today. Listeners, uh, Share this with someone you love and may Jesus rock your world today and every day. Peace. Peace. Go to Chick-fil-A and have some sauce packets. 150 calories, man. It's not good for you.
0: You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash leadtime Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.